Welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast or how to get connected, go to BethelCleveland.com. It's just really good to be with you. It feels like it's been a while since I've been up here. And uh, I was supposed to speak last week when Pastor Steve was was in California at Bethel. and uh, But my daughter came down with COVID, uh, Bethany. And uh, I was, she was really, really sick. Um, and this, uh, this happened, she got, uh, so last Sunday is when I was supposed to speak. So the Tuesday before that, she tested positive for COVID. On, uh, on Wednesday, she couldn't breathe. Um, and she was just really, really struggling. She's got a, a neighbor that's an RN. And uh, I was out of town and um, they took her to the emergency room. I was, I was absolutely furious. Um, yeah, I know she couldn't breathe, but I just was like, no, you know, I do not want her on a ventilator. I don't want that. It's like nothing, well, too many negative reports. Anyways, uh, her, uh, her oxygen level was right around 91. And so they, they sent her back home, praise the Lord. Um, but by Friday, she was, she was in a terrible state. And so I landed actually at 12 o'clock uh, noon Friday and I drove right straight to her house She's a single, single mother there by herself. And, uh, and she was just gasping for air. I mean, it was, I mean, she couldn't get yes and no out of her mouth without just tremendous labor. So I, I called a, a doctor friend of mine in Louisiana and I said, Hey, she, we, you know, we need help. Um, and so he, he got on, did a FaceTime video with her and uh, prescribed some medicine. So by the time I got it, the medicine to her was probably about 6.30 on Friday night. Uh, I gave her all of the medicine that he, that he said. She threw it all up about 20 minutes later. So I really don't think it did much good. <laughs> Wasn't quite sure what to do at that point. But uh, at this point, we had an oxygen. We got one of those things that you test her oxygen levels. And her oxygen levels were reading about 88, 87, 89, 90. It was just all over the place. And she's just struggling for air. You know, and as a father, I'm like, oh my gosh, what I, I believe in medicine. I believe I believe in I believe in the power of God to heal too. So I'm not I'm not anti doctors and hospitals and all of that, but I'm like, Jesus, I need wisdom what to do here. Um she you know, we, we she went to she went to bed and and uh I I said Bethany, I mean I I'll I'll be back in the morning and I got back there about nine o'clock on Saturday morning and she uh I woke her up to make sure she got her medicine and, and uh, her, she said, dad, at 6 a.m. And I, I, I couldn't, I just, I thought I was going to have to call the, the, the squad to come get me because I, I couldn't. And she was so labored. Her breathing was still labored. And so, um, you know, I'm calling doctors at this point. Um, I'm calling my doctor friend again. I'm calling a couple other doctors I know. They're saying, man, you need to get her in on a, that monoclonal yeah, whatever, antibodies, and, but it's the 10th day, and like, this is our last day, but it's a Saturday, and everything's closed in the state of Ohio. We love the state of Ohio. <laughs> Everything was closed, so I'm like, oh, man, so it's noon, and uh, she's just so labored. I can't tell you how labored she is, and her oxygen levels are right around 86, 87, 88, and I'm like, ah, oh, Jesus. So I sent her, I prayed for her, and... Uh, I prayed for her on Friday, but I prayed for her on Saturday. And I can remember, I can remember praying. And you know, as a father, you're desperate, right? This is like, this is my little girl. She's 30 years old, but this is my little girl. And, and I, I, you know, I'm praying out of 
anxiety. And I can remember in this moment of, of there praying for her that, that uh, I just felt like Holy Spirit said, you know, I've got this. And so I just took a deep breath and I, out of rest, I prayed for her. And I said, Jesus, you are the one that hung on a cross and your blood paid for her healing and I need you to raise my girl up. And it was out of this place of rest and confidence in who he was and not out of the anxiousness of a prayer of a, of a loving father. Like you've got to do something, God, and you've got to do it right now. Nothing wrong with those prayers, I think, but these other prayers are more effective, it seems. Anyway, she went to sleep. I said, hey, I'm, I, you know, I told her before she went to sleep and I'm like, I'm going to go home and uh, I'll be back. And so I, I texted her at about 3.30 and uh, said, hey, you know, Bethany, how you doing? And uh, about 20 minutes later, she called me. And on the girl on the other end of the phone was completely different than the girl that I, that I left. I was just, I, I was sitting there on my lawnmower and I turned it off and I'm like, Bethany, you sound amazing. I just kept saying it like, Bethany, I like, you sound amazing. She, she was talking normal, like without any labor or that. And I was just like, I, I can't believe this. And, and I mean, I just couldn't believe it. She went in and so I'm staying up with her then the rest of the, the evening and Sunday, uh, you know, I wasn't, uh, that's why I didn't speak because I was with my daughter who had COVID and I like, I care less what she, you know, I had my mask on, I was trying to stay away, but you know, right now it's life or death for my daughter. So out of the abundance of caution. I didn't come to church on Sunday. And, uh, but I mean, she is, uh, she went and got a test, a COVID test on Monday that this past Monday. And I'm like, oh, Bethany, I said, there's just no way she, it came back negative. I just couldn't believe it. It was absolute miracle. And so I just, you know, I give Jesus, you know, Hey, I, I love, maybe it was the prednisone could have been, maybe it was, I don't know, but whatever it was, my daughter who was just laboring to breathe is completely better. I mean, it's just an absolute miracle. So anyways, that's too good not to share. And I just uh, took this all the way down to more, but man, we're singing that song. Man, God, God can heal your cancer. He can heal whatever issue is going on. I mean, Pastor Steve is an example of what God can do if with a man that's got cancer and dying and on a deathbed. But God, but God in your life, he can teach and change your world in a heartbeat, in a moment of time, in a moment of time. And I want to speak to you to this morning, just here in this, this next 15 minutes, um, Man, about, about being all in with Jesus, about being all in. I spoke this five years ago and I'm always hesitant to speak about the preach a message, but I just felt it like these last three times I've spoke, like I need to speak this message again and I've, I've resisted and, and I, was, I was driving along and I saw a license plate and the license plate on the car said all in. And I'm like, you know what? That's good enough for me, Lord. I believe that's a word that I'm supposed to deliver this message. And you know, it's supposed to be this week and not last week because last week 
week this is what I was going to be. So someone's here today, all in. And it's about the story of Joshua crossing over the Jordan and going into the promised land. And, and I want to take a few moments and I want to, I want to just kind of like just give us some, some, some tools, some handles to hang on to, to help us to believe in what the promise that God gave us is for you. And sometimes it's not going to be easy. And sometimes there's going to be battles. And sometimes there's going to be struggles to, to, to receive and to obtain our promise. But it will be worth it if we hang on and if we don't give up. And we're in a season and a time in this nation, really in this world, where there's, there, we're being more polarized to be this or to be that than ever before. You're either, you know, pro mask, no mask, this vaccine now, no vaccine, you know, it's left, it's right. It's, it's pulling us. I'm woke. I'm not woke. I can't believe you're woke. I can't believe you're not woke. I mean, it, we're all over the place and trying to say what, who is it that we're standing with and what do we believe it's a challenging time right now. And it's a time for believers to step up to the plate and say, you know what? I am all in with Jesus and I'm going to believe him and I'm going to give up the, the past and I'm stepping into my preferred, I love it, to my preferred future that Pastor Steve says. I love that term. This is my pre preferred future that Jesus paid a price for me. Because there isn't one of us here today that's a mistake or an accident. There's not one of us here that God doesn't have a plan and a purpose and a destiny. There's not one. Your plan may be different than my plan. And my dream may be different from your dream. But I do know this is that God has given everyone a purpose on this planet to accomplish a purpose. And it's, it, it, it is not always easy. It's not always easy. And in, and in Numbers 13, it's, I, I want to read this. In 1328, it, it says this. And, and, and if just if you're, 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 you're with me here and you're not, not real familiar with the story, Moses, Moses and, and the Israelites, they've left Egypt, right? They've been in the wilderness for 40 years. M Moses has died. And now he's passed the, the, the baton off to Joshua. And Joshua is standing at the river, getting ready to go into the promised land. But before they did that, they sent out the 12 spies. Remember that? And the 12 spies went into the, into the promised land and 10 of them came back and said, there is no way in the world that we can go into the promised land. The promise that God gave them there's no way we can take it. The giants are massive. They're the fortified cities. There's absolutely no way. Joshua and Caleb were two of those spies. They came back, they had a different report. And they said to Moses, they said, we can take it. And so we've got a conflict going on right now between 10, 10 of the spies saying there's no way we can, that, we can, that we can obtain the promised land that God spoke to us to go into and possess. And there's two of them, Joshua and Caleb saying, Moses, we can do this. And so this is where the story picks up. This is where the conversation that's happening in Numbers. And in 1328, it says this, and it says, Nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. And Amalek is living in the land of the Negev and the Hittites and all of these different ites. 
are living in the whole country and the Canaanites are living by the sea in the side of the Jordan. Basically, they're saying there are no way, there are giants in the land. Now, whether you've got a dream that is unfulfilled or you've just committed your life to Jesus, there's always going to be opposition. Opposition to, to, to achieve that promise, to walk in, to fulfill that dream. There's gonna be, be old friends, old relationships that are gonna to wanna to be pulling you back in to an old lifestyle. There's always going to be opposition in our life. There's, but let me tell you, we can't quit. The easiest thing to do when, when, when the enemy rises up is to quit. You see, our battle is with flesh and blood. It's not with flesh and blood, right? We wrestle with, with spiritual forces in high places. When the enemy comes in like a flood, what? The Lord will raise up a standard against them. Paul said, I wanted to come and see you, but the enemy thwarted me. There is, there is resistance, there's obstacles, but we must face those obstacles and we can't quit. February 19th, that's a good day by the way, that's my birthday. <laughs> February 19th, 1519, the explorer Cortez, Spanish explorer Cortez sailed to Mexico. He sailed to Mexico with 11 ships, 13 horses, 110 sailors, 553 soldiers. When he landed on the shore, he was faced with an indigenous people of a population of 5 million. If you just do the math, the odds were stacked against him at 7,541 to one. It looked like he should have lost this. This was his third time. He'd been there two other trips and he was defeated badly the, 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 the two previous times. And so this time he had a different strategy. When he landed on the shores of Mexico and whether it was the right thing or the wrong thing for him to do, that's not what we're discussing. We're discussing an illustration. When he landed on the shores this third time with, with insurmountable odds against him again, he did something and gave an order that he didn't do the other two times. He looked at the, he looked at the, at, at the sailors that were on the ships and he said, I want you to burn the ships because there is no retreat. There is no giving up. There is no plan B. We are living plan A and there is no other option. We are going to, we are going to sink or we're going to swim. We're going to walk in our promises that the Lord has given us or we're going to die trying, but we're not going to give up. We can't live our plan B's. Failure is resorting to plan B when plan A gets too risky, too costly, too difficult. That's why most people are living their plan B. They didn't burn 
the ships. Plan A, plan A people don't have a plan B. It's plan A or bust. They'd rather crash and burn going after their God-ordained dreams than succeed at something else. There are moments in life when we need to burn the ships to our past. We do so by making a, def a defining decision that will eliminate the possibility of sailing back to an old world that we left behind. Let me tell you, it's not always easy walking and living with the Lord. It's not always easy swimming upstream against the, the tide of society that's, that's telling us to do the exact opposite. Sometimes this, just isn't, this message just isn't about fulfilling our promises and walking in the dreams that the Lord has called us to walk in. It's, this, this message is about also standing up for what is true, for what is right, for knowing that I will in the face of my friends, in the face of opposition, that I will serve the Lord. We will have a Joshua moment where we'll say, you know, as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord and I will not go back to an old lifestyle. We've got to burn the ships. Number two, promises will often be suppressed by those around you. Numbers 31, 1331, look at that. It says, but the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are too strong for us. Promises will often be suppressed by those around you. The opinions of others do not hold back those that are all in. The naysayers will, we will always have with us. You will always have couch potatoes who never try anything, who never do anything. You'll have to grab a hold of your promises in spite of what others say about you. The world will never be won for Jesus by those who think they can, but by those that believe they can. We've got to believe that the Lord is with us. We've got to believe that the one that is fighting for us is greater than the one that's fighting against us. It's not easy. It's not easy in the face of oppositions. It's not easy when, when the world's telling us you can't. The world's telling us you're too small. The world's telling you you're not educated enough. The world's telling us a whole bunch of things. The world told Michael Jordan that he couldn't succeed as a basketball player, right? Remember the story? 10th grade, he got, he got cut from his basketball team. That coach doesn't look real brilliant right now. <laughs> Steve Jobs at age 30 got fired from the company that he started. That board of directors doesn't look very competent right now. The Beatles and Deco Records said that, uh, that uh, you'll never amount to much. We don't like your sound and you're not, they're not very good for show business. That's what Deca Records said about the Beatles. I mean, there's always people out there that will say, you can't do this. You're not enough. They fired Walt Disney from an advertising agency because they said he lacked imagination. Oprah Winfrey got fired from a TV anchor position because she said she wasn't fit for TV. 
wasn't qualified. Lots, there's lots of people, well-meaning people, people that will use God in their sentence, people that will try to give you the wisdom. And man, I, I, I need mothers and fathers. I need people around me that will speak wisdom into my life. That's not what I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm telling you, there's a lot of times we need to listen closely and say, is this the wisdom of the, of the Lord? Or is this the fear of a friend trying to instill doubt into me? There's a fine line between the two and we need to be close enough to the Lord to be able to tell the difference. Gideon. I'm sure there would have been friends right there saying to Gideon, 300 men, <laughs> come on, buddy, you need to retreat. You need to go get a bunch of other, other soldiers to fight with you. The wisdom was not with David to go and face Goliath. We need to hear the word, the wisdom of the Lord because we will always have opposition coming in facing our, in standing in front of our promised land. Let me move on. Number three, promises need to be seized. They need to be seized. In 13, Numbers 1330, it said, then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, we should by all means go up and take possession of it for we shall surely overcome it. Because they failed to seize the promise, they failed to enter into all that God had for them. It only took one night, listen to this, it only took one night to get Israel out of Egypt, but it took 40 years to get Egypt out of Israel. We want to live a safe, comfortable life. I don't want to be normal. I don't want to live a normal life. I want to be dangerous. I want to live dangerous for the kingdom. I want to be all in. I don't want to be said that, that, that he was normal. I, you know, I've said it for years and years and years on my tombstone. I wanted to say he tried, he died trying to make a difference. I just want to tr make a difference wherever the Lord plants me, whether it's in Cleveland, Ohio, or it's in Lucas, Ohio now. I just want to make a difference. If it's working for this company or this company, wherever he has put me, I want to make a difference. And if your dream is, is small enough for you to accomplish it, it's not a God dream. We need to get dreams that we've got to have God show up. And if God doesn't show up, it's not going to work. I've gotten a couple prophetic words. I got a prophetic word uh, when I was down at Catch the Fire about three weeks ago. And this pastor comes up. We introduce one another to us and uh, to each other. And, and uh, he turns around and he says, man, I got a word for you. Get your phone out. And so I get my phone out. And he just gives me this word about being in the music business and being in the media and, and all of this stuff. It was, it was absolutely amazing. And, you know, he got done, done and he said, hey, does that mean anything to you? And I'm like, yeah, that's pretty good. And uh, that's about all. I said, Rachel was sitting there and, uh, not bad. And, uh, but later that night or the next day I, I saw him, he was one of the speakers and we never met each other ever. And, uh, I, I went up to him and I'm like, man, I, I want to encourage him. And so I said, Hey, that, that word you gave me that man, that was spot on. It was really good. It was really encouraging. And, uh, 
And, and, and if I could pause right there and back, back up a little bit, my wife and I, Missy and I, have been talking for, for years. We, we just built a house down on our family farm. We've got about 100 acres, and, and we want to build a barn, a worship barn down there uh, on the property. And we want, we want it to be a place where, where worship can happen and where people can come and gather and worship and, and state-of-the-art studios where, where people can come and map cities and people can come in and they can record there. We can just have people just come in. So I've had this dream and have this, you know, this vision in that. And so I stopped him and said, hey, man, that word was good, man. It was really spot on. He said, hey, I've got another word for you. Get your phone out. So I got my phone out. I got it all recorded right here, man. So I, I got my phone out and he said, hey, I see a barn on your property and blah, blah, blah. And he just starts going on about, about this barn that's going to be on my property. And he said, it's like a Woodstock, man. And there's just going to be people coming and going and coming and going and da, da, da. And I'm like, and, and he, he was done and he turned around and he walked away. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. So I said, hey, come back. I went and found him. I'm like, hey, that was, that was better than the word before. Let me tell you about, about this barn. And, and so he said, hey, get your phone out. I got another word for you. I promise this is the way it happened. And, uh, and, and he, he just starts to talk even more about the studios that's going to be in it. And, and I was just like, no way. My barn's probably, the barn I want to build is a minimum, just building the barn of 1.5 to 1.7 million, because I've already been working on it. Not the barn. I've been working on the plans. And been talking to been talking to 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 architects and 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 contractors about it. Just in case you, you want to know, I, I don't have 1.5 million to build the barn. <laughs> That's just the barn. The studio itself is going to be another 500,000 to 750,000 to put a state-of-the-art studio in there. To where a Mav City or a Hillsong or people want to come and worship in this barn and record their, their projects. It's a God-sized dream that I don't, I, I don't know how it's going to happen. But it's a promise that I'm saying, Lord, you've given me. I mean, Jason, Jason had, a, had, a, had a dream about me like a week after that about me in a barn. Now, he, he thought it was this barn about here on the camp, the property, but it was totally, he was totally wrong in his interpretation. <laughs> No, I, 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 I'm, I'm kidding. But, but it's, you know, it's no coincidence. I don't believe in coincidence that, that he has a, a dream about a barn, me in a barn. It was crazy. But, but let me tell you, we've got to seize our promises. I'm moving towards my promise, I don't know what that looks like, but that's the promise that the Lord has given my wife and I. And I'm moving towards that promise because I don't want to live a normal life. Still just thinking about this, this, this message today, you know, Jana Poor is sitting here in the third row. I mean, she's not living a normal life. She's not normal. If you don't know her, she's not. She's very abnormal person. She's dangerous to be around. You know, it's like, oh, Janet's calling me. I don't know if I want to take this call. She's going to ask me to do something, you know. But we're going to see abortion ended in this, in this nation. And somewhere in the footnotes of history, the name Janet Porter is going to be somewhere in those footnotes. 
And I'm going to say, I knew her. I was afraid of her, but I knew her. <laughs> Let me tell you, listen, and we can, we can hear stories like that. Where we're like, ah, man, I'm not called to an abortion. I can't do that. Well, that, that's not what you're called to do. You may not be called. I told her at one time, Janet, I'm not called to do what you do. Remember that conversation? You know, she, she boy, she yelled at me. <laughs> because that's her passion. That's her promised land. Don't compare your promise to somebody else's promise. Don't compare your dream and the size of it to somebody else's dream. Is it a God dream? Is it a God-sized promise that he's given to you? That's yours to walk in. That's yours to carry out. The danger is when I begin to look at what God's called me to do compared to what God's called Rachel to do. It's not the same. Success is me walking in all that God's called me to walk in. I can't be like, like, like Peter to saying to Jesus when he turns around, he says, hey, what about John? And Jesus said to Peter, it's not for you to worry about. You follow me. You follow the promises and the dreams that I have for you. We have to stop living with a rear view mirror in our lives. We've got to stop living in regret. We start, got to stop living in a place of saying we should have done this and we should have done that and we should have done this. We've got to stop living in our past failures and our past hurts and we've got to begin to move forward and to seize that promise that the Lord has given to each and every one of us. There's a dream as a child maybe. There's a dream that you had maybe five years ago and you feel like it's just been snuffed out. The enemy's come in and snatched it. Maybe you got a broken relationship. Maybe this, you had a financial issue going on in your life. And you're like, how in the world is this ever going to happen now? I don't know, but do not give up. Seize the moment and take a hold of your dream. Oh, man. On July 2nd, 1863... Joshua Chamberlain was a student of theology and he was a school teacher. And it was during the Civil War and he got called and he responded to the duty. He responded to the call and he enlisted in the Union Army and he went, he went through the ranks and he, and he eventually became colonel. And on July, and on that, that day on July 2nd, he had 300 men that he was leading and he was facing a union, a union army that was far outnumbering his 300 men. And they were doing a, they were fighting in a battle at Gettysburg and at 2.30 PM that, that day, the 15th and 47th uh, infantry of Alabama of the Confederate army, they charged, but Chamberlain and his men, they held their ground then followed a second charge and a third charge and a fourth charge and a fifth charge. And when the, when the battle ended, there was only 80 of his 300 men left standing. One of the privates came to him and said, Colonel, we have 80 men left. We only have enough ammunition for one round. 
the boy that was looking out, sitting up in a tree, the lookout boy said, said to them, he said, the Confederate army is gathering ranks again and they're getting ready to, to come after, to charge, to come after us. The normal thing to do, the wisdom thing to do would have been to surrender or to retreat. But that wasn't part of this colonel's vocabulary. And so he gathered his 80 men and they did, they, they had one of the greatest victories of known in the Civil War. And in full view of the enemy, Chamberlain climbed onto their barricade of stones and gave a command. He pointed with his sword and yelled, charge. His men fixed bayonets and started running at the Confederate army, which vastly outnumbered them. They caught them off guard by executing a great right wheel. Don't know what that is, but it was amazing. And in what ranks is one of the most improbable victories in military history, 80 Union soldiers captured 4,000 Confederates in five minutes flat. They say it was a defining moment in the Civil War by a man who had courage. It takes courage to continue to follow the dreams that are in your heart. It's never too late to go after your dreams. Let me, let me just read this to you. My wife sent this to me to encourage me because I always think I'm, Lord, Missy, I'm getting old. I'm getting old. An extensive study. I'm sorry, I'm 10 minutes late. Just hang on, I'm almost done. An extensive study in the U.S. found that the most productive age in human life is between 60 and 70 years of age. Come on, man. Where's my 60 and above? The second most productive stage of the human being is from 70 to 80 years of age. Hey, listen, this is in a New England journal, this study. This isn't Facebook. The third most productive stage is from 50 to 60 years of age. So if you are 50 and above here today, come on, man. I'm 54 and it's just getting started. We're just getting started. The average age of the Nobel Prize winners is 62. The average age of the presidents of prominent companies in the world is 63. The average age of the pastors of the 100 largest churches in the U.S. is 71. The average age of popes is 76. This tells us in a way that it has been determined that the best years of your life are between 60 and 80 years. This study was published in the New England Journal of Medicine, found that age 60, you would reach the top of your potential, and this continues into your 80s. Come on. It is never too late to seize your promise. It is never too late to seize your promise. Let me just finish up with this. Can I do this? I'm going to end. I got to go. I got to get up to Middleburg. Steve's up there and he's going to be waiting on me. Number four, promises from God have no shelf life to those that want it. Where's my 60 and 80 year olds? 
the promises of God had no shelf life to those that want it. A century ago, a band of brave souls became known as one-way missionaries. They purchased single tickets to the mission field without the return half. That's a one-way ticket, just in case you need to know that. And instead of suitcases, they packed their few earthly belongings into coffins. It's a little morbid, but that's all right. It's a great story. As they sailed out of port, they waved goodbye to everyone they loved, everything they knew. They knew they've never returned home. A.W. Milne was one of those missionaries. He set sail to the New Hebrides in the South Pacific, knowing full well that the headhunters who lived there had martyred every missionary before him. Milne did not fear for his life because he had already died to himself. His coffin was packed. For 35 years, he lived among that tribe and loved them. When he died, tribe members buried him in the middle of their village and inscribed this epitaph on his tombstone. When he came there was no light. When he left there was no darkness. When he came to that people, there was no light. And when he left that people, there was no darkness. When did we start believing that God wants to send us to safe places to do easy things? That faithfulness is holding the fort. That playing it safe is safe. That radical is anything but normal. Jesus didn't die to keep us safe. He died to make us dangerous. The 120 didn't live safe. They lived dangerously. And they changed the world. Faithfulness is not holding the fort. It's storming the gates of hell. The complete surrender of your life to the cause of Christ isn't radical, it's normal. It's time to quit living as if the purpose of life is to arrive safely at death. It's not. It's time to go all in, to live all in, and to pack our coffin. I just wanna live I want to live a life that makes a difference in somebody's life. That's it. I don't know always what that looks like. Occasionally I'll get an email or a Facebook, really a Facebook something. And it's like, hey, I met you several years ago and such and such happened. Just want to thank you for how you poured into my life. Those are the most meaningful things. Not that, that, that our names may be up on a marquee or a billboard or wherever. It's that people would be able to come and just say, man, you said something to me that, that shifted the way I thought. You didn't give up. I watched your life and I saw what you went through and you didn't, you didn't quit. 
God's calling us to make a difference on the stage of your own life. It's your stage. It's your platform. It's not mine. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't retreat. Don't go back. Seize the promises that God has given to you. Seize the promises that he gave to you as a child and you thought that they would never, ever happen. They won't happen because you gave up on them. Don't quit. Keep pressing in. Keep believing. Keep reaching out. Quit looking in the rearview mirror. Quit giving up. Quit listening to the naysayers. Quit listening to those that don't have a future. Quit listening to them. You step out and you go for what God's put in your own heart. Run after it. Pursue it. And just maybe, just maybe, in the footnotes of history, your name be, be written that Janet Porter helped end abortion in this nation. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. You can help us reach others by investing today at BethelCleveland.com slash give.